Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is Primetime Politics on CPAC. Coming up, our panel of parliamentary journalists will weigh in on the latest developments in the government's pandemic response and on the news from the Prime Minister today that the government is in no hurry to establish new fiscal anchors. But we'll begin tonight with the passage by the House of Commons of an opposition motion for a sweeping probe into the federal government's handling of the pandemic. The motion from the Conservatives passed by a vote of 176 to 152 with the support of the Bloc Québécois, the NDP and the Greens. The Liberals opposed the motion but had already declared it would not be treated as a test of confidence in the minority government. But the Liberals are warning the motion will hurt Canada's ability to acquire vaccines and personal protective equipment because companies won't want to sign contracts with Canada worried that the committee investigation will result in the release of sensitive corporate or scientific information. If this motion passes, our disclosure, our relationships with our suppliers is brought into uh, the the full-fledged public eye and our suppliers will be hesitant to do business with us. As I have explained, many stakeholders reached out over the weekend, including vaccine suppliers, to express this concern. And I do not want to be back here to explain to Canadians that because of the disclosure that we were forced to make, we were not able to secure vaccines or PPE for Canadians because our suppliers chose to walk away. That would be a highly unfortunate, if not life-threatening, announcement to have to make, and I would not want to have to do that. Well, let's bring in Greg Fergus now. He is the Parliamentary Secretary to the President of the Treasury Board. Uh, that minister was also at today's news conference talking about uh, the perils of passing this motion to investigate the government's pandemic response. Mr. Fergus, thanks for taking time to speak with me. First of all, let's start there. It's a pleasure to be here. Minister Nan said essentially today that passage of this motion, and it has passed, would put Canadian lives at risk. Can you explain specifically how it would do that? Well, let's set the table in terms of the context here. Um, you know, back at the beginning of the pandemic, we discovered that we didn't have a domestic, uh, secure domestic supply of personal protective equipment. And so the call went out to uh, Canadians, individuals, business people uh, to help step up to the plate, perhaps transform the things that they don't, their lines of business that they normally don't do and to come forward and, and help Canada uh, supply a homegrown mm -hmm. uh, supply of, of PPE. And so they did. And, uh, you know, they did so under a certain set of rules. And we've been very transparent about it. You could find on a website all the contracts which have been awarded. But there are obviously some commercially confidential issues. Yeah. Uh, that well, certain let, me, company... but let me jump in there if I can. Sorry to interrupt. But uh, Please, like I, no if you go to the I've been to the website and it yeah. lists all kinds of contracts, but all the companies, yeah. except for a couple, are identified by company A, B. Companies aren't named. Uh, the amounts are there. but So the website tells you contracts have been let out, but it doesn't tell you in most cases who they were let out to. True, because some of those companies, of course, may... I mean, I'm going to make an assumption here is that a lot of these companies had provided uh, uh, services to the uh, 
to Canada, to the, to the people of Canada, um, and in the sense that they did so perhaps not in their normal lines of business, and because there are so few people who are involved in these industries, you're really beginning to peg down, uh, you know, who sold for what price, uh, and it might be a commercially confidential environment, okay. so that it could be a problem for them. Uh, now, look, I'm I'm not in business. I'm I'm in government, and I do believe that we should make sure that the money is well spent. The question is. Um, how do we do so in a way that respects our, our commercial uh, uh, contracts that we had with, with the private sector? Right. Do you, is it to your knowledge? I mean, we, we heard some companies express concerns over the weekend about how this process yeah. might unfold. To the very point you're making, protecting, you know, secret information or, or uh, you know, um, uh, company information that they wouldn't want uh, made public. But ha have any companies, to your knowledge, actually told the government that they will not do business with you if they think the contracts and business dealings will be subject to parliamentary scrutiny? Well, I mean, I'm not I'm certain that no company would want to have the uh, odium of, of saying that publicly and making that uh, declaration. But I bet you a lot of them are thinking, and this is the reason why they wrote us a letter through their industry association. I even read the headlines this morning. I hadn't had an opportunity to read the article, but there was one company in particular that pointed out that this is a real problem for them. Minister Nan told that news conference today that um that these companies that do business with Canada, they do it because we're a sophisticated business party that knows how to do business and protect their sensitive information. I guess I'm wondering why don't you offer them the same argument about our ability as a sophisticated democratic nation to examine that kind of sensitive information at a parliamentary committee and still be able to protect it? Well, yes, uh, that would be um, that would be great. Uh, I mean, I guess that in some way we're going to have to we're certainly going to have to respect uh, the will of Parliament, and that's 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 not negotiable. Um, so we're going to have to try to find some happy medium in which we can we can do that and yet still refle reflect uh, respect our, our confidential uh, way of dealing, you know, respecting the, the commercial confidentiality of different companies. Mm -hmm. It's a tough problem, Peter, and it, it, it's one which, uh, unfortunately, for political reasons, uh, I think the opposition has placed us in this in this compromising situation. Um, um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to making sure that we uh, provide Canadians with the confidentiality that they that they would expect uh, from us and to do the work that Parliament expects us to do. Right. Uh, but in, in some ways, that sounds like saying to the opposition parties, look, we got a big job to do here. No one suggesting that's not the case. We are in the middle of a second wave of pandemic here. But it's almost like, you know, believe, you know we're, we're doing a very good job here. Just trust us on that. At what point should, should opposition <clears throat> parties and Parliament be allowed to go back and, or be allowed to look and say, okay, we want to make sure we're on the right track here. And as we go forward, nobody's quite sure how long it'll last, that we stay on the right track. Well, and I think that's that's a really big challenge, and that's the reason why we do have our uh, agents of parliament that can be able to t take a look at this over. This is why we have the Office of the Auditor General to making sure that Canadians get a good value for money, but it's also being evaluated by a disinterested, a disinterested party in all of this. We just don't want to get into a situation where we're playing politics. Uh, you know, look, with me, it's fine. I mean, you're, you're doing that to a politician. But to do that with our companies that employ many Canadians that are really stepped up to the plate to do their corporate citizens, citizenship service, you know, that's a different kettle of fish. And so we just we've got to find that right balance. The government takes the position that uh, this information should be vetted by 
if, if the committee is now going ahead. Uh, so it should be vetted by the Privy Council and not the law clerk of the House of Commons. Uh, the Privy Council, so that everybody understands, is effectively the deputy ministerial department for the Prime Minister. PCO is an arm of government. The law clerk serves all parliamentarians. So I guess I'm wondering, isn't the law clerk a, a more objective choice? Well, I would, uh, Peter, you and I both are, are, are admirers of our uh, federal public service, uh, our nonpartisan federal public service. It's, it's run on that basis. I don't think anyone can accuse uh, the Privy Council Office or any senior, senior leadership in, in the federal government as being partisan. I think they would do a, a very nonpartisan perspective because they're the ones who run the government uh, at the direction, of course, of their uh, political masters. But when they are entrusted to do a nonpartisan job, they certainly do do it. Um, that's been my experience in the over 32 years I've been in this mm -hmm. uh, national capital region. All right, uh, Greg Fergus, uh, you're, you're telling me it sounds like tonight, though, that you'll have to obey the will of Parliament. And so cause some people are wondering, look, the, the motion we, passes, yep. now the government will drag its feet and may push this down the road to the point where that becomes a test of confidence if people aren't satisfied with how long the process is moving. Uh, are you telling me tonight that the government's going to follow this motion and uh, you know, do its best to produce the documents this committee wants? The government has two big principles in front of it. One is to respect the will of Parliament. Second is to uh, respect uh, commercial and confidential information. And somehow we're going to have to re reconcile that. That's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take uh, a lot of goodwill. And uh, so we'll get to, get to work. It's unfortunate that uh, our energies aren't really being focused on doing the number one job that Canadians expect us to be, and that is to making, ensuring their health and welfare. All right, Greg Fergus, uh, good to talk to you tonight. Uh, thanks for joining me. Again. Always a pleasure. Well, the motion passed by the House today was put forward by Conservative Party health critic Michelle Rempel-Garner. She is with me now. Uh, Michelle Rempel-Garner, good to see you again. Thanks for taking time to speak with me tonight. Thanks for having me. We've just heard from the government side that this motion and this committee investigation will make it more difficult for the federal government to obtain more PPE and vaccines because companies won't want to do business with Canada if they think their secrets could be revealed. Uh, she raised a, a direct threat from this motion to the well-being and the safety of Canadians during the pandemic. So what's your response to those remarks and those concerns expressed by the government side? Well, I'll agree with her on one thing. The health and safety of Canadians is at risk right now. I was just watching coverage of a press conference in Alberta, in my home province. Record numbers of COVID cases, as is the case in Ontario and Quebec. So that really begs the question, how did we get here? We're you know, nearly 10 months into this issue. Um, why don't we have rapid test capacity that's widely available in Canada? When is that capacity coming? Why did we fail to get that? If a vaccine becomes available, who gets it when? And when does Canada get doses? These are all questions the government has not been forthcoming on that we need to have answers in order to chart a better path forward to protect the health and safety of Canadians. Yeah. Let, let me, if um, I can, let me jump in on there because that's that's really yeah. the, the crux of the of the argument today. Uh, the motion is passed. Let's be clear about that. But uh, the the point the government makes is also a point you know we heard from companies and some doctors and experts over the weekend, uh, sort of backing the minister up on those concerns. I guess what I'm wondering I, is, what assurances are you prepared to give Pfizer and other companies who are expressing concerns about this motion? What can you tell them about? Uh, the reasons why you need to conduct this investigation, why they shouldn't be worried about security of their proprietary information. 
Well, first of all, the motion has those safeguards directly written into it, as well as the, the parliamentary law clerk has the responsibility of vetting for criteria like national security. There's even a specific clause around um, contractual obligations related to vaccine production. So there's, you know, I, I think that the Liberal government has has struggled with finding its message on this. And today they had to fear monger when they figured out that this was going to pass. If there's nothing to hide, the government has nothing to be worried about. And I want to say, you know, just just to be more technical on the issue of, of company interaction, um, you know, when we started asking questions about rapid testing, for example, the health minister, she, her first line was, well, nobody's applied for X, Y and Z sort of test review. And the reality is, is that Canada is a smaller market. Um, we uh, often, we have a very strict, and I'm glad we have that, regulatory process. But in that situation, the government should be going out and trying to get those vital contracts for Canadians. And that's, like, whether or not the government has done that is something that I think Canadians should know. They should know that so that we can move forward and have a better path than what we're on right now, which is just repeated economic shutdown while cases increase. So... This is, I'm fully confident, as are my opposition colleagues from other parties, that the parliamentary law clerk can do his job. And also, I guess what sort of irks me a bit is that when did this type of parliamentary review become not normal? This is something that happens all the time in a healthy parliamentary democracy. Right. I mean, I've also pointed in our conversations tonight that this would not be the first time that a parliamentary committee has been seized with a study that might involve protecting sensitive corporate information. I mean, that's, that's not something new. But the government makes the case that, look, this is this is a, a better assignment, if I can put it that way, for the Privy Council Office, which, uh, as I've pointed out, is essentially the deputy ministerial arm of the prime minister's office. But uh, they're, they're hardworking right. public servants that uh, do a job. And, and so the government makes the case, look, PCO should be the ones vetting the documents, not the law clerk who works for all parliamentarians. What's no, your response the, to that? The Privy Council Office is, is an extension of government for all intents and purposes. Uh, so therefore, we feel that uh, a neutral arbiter like the law clerk is much better positioned. And this isn't just us guessing about this. We did see what happened when the government redacted its own documents with the We Charity scandal this year. You know, my colleague, uh, Pierre Polyev, famously in the press conference, they're just showing these blocks of black redacted government uh, documents. So we don't think that the government should be redacting its own documents. Um, I think that's a little preposterous. The law clerk is a neutral arbiter who is tasked with this, who understands what to do. Uh, this is standard operating procedure. And I would even be willing to have the law clerk come to committee to talk about his approach. Um, there's Today, what the government did was just ramp, ratchet up the fear mongering to try and stop Parliament from doing its job. And I'm really glad that they didn't succeed. But, I mean, let's be clear. I mean, we've, we're going to have this... this um this health committee investigation. Um, you were questioning the health minister today about what you called, uh, quote, the failed government response to COVID-19. So to be clear here, uh, it looks like you've already made up your mind that that the government has failed at this and those are the kinds of answers you're looking for, for sure. and, and, and less looking for maybe what's gone right and what we can build on and more for... Uh, the critics are saying you should, Michelle Rempel Gardner is looking for embarrassing stuff uh, to put the government on the defensive. Peter, that's preposterous. I just watched a press conference where we saw record numbers of COVID cases. Um, the, the, we've got 
backlogs of days, if not weeks, for for testing right now. We, there's there's parts of the country that can't contact trace. Rural and remote communities don't have access to testing. Like that's not a stellar response, and that's just out there. That's the reality that Canadians are looking for. What we need to figure out is why that's the case, so that it stops being the case. So I mean, I, I just I find that argument actually ridiculous. You know, it's and, in lockstep but, with the it's in lockstep with the same argument that says, you know, um, let's have this investigation, but now's not the time. Public servants are busy trying to roll out relief programs and help Canadians, and this will bog them down. And uh, some people think there's merit to that. And, uh, you know, you're, you know, ru- you're rubbing I, you're rubbing your head and so I, on, I, but. I, I, but what do you what do you say to that when when the people inside are telling you, look, we don't have time to do this, and now you're making us do it? The Canadians don't have months to wait on this. Like we can't keep we can't keep on this track. Businesses can't wait another nine months. Like think about that. You're saying like we found out last week that what roughly half of the FOI Freedom of Information staff are being utilized right now, and a Canadian that's about to have their business closed or can't see their loved one in a in a nursing home. They're saying, oh, well, you know, federal government can't do its job on reviewing this for months. We, we need to wait. Well, these Canadians can't wait. And I just find it preposterous. And the fa- my hands on my face are just like that argument is such an ivory tower, Ottawa centric, not realistic argument that nobody in Canada who's on the ground, who's actually living this would make. It's such an academic okay. bunk argument. I, uh, uh, and somebody has to fight for Canadians. And if that has to be me, so be it. Really quick, I need a sh- very short answer from you. Um, how do you expect the government to react to this? The motion's passed. Uh, they're talking about having to try and do both, respond to the pandemic and satisfy the need, the demands of this committee. Uh, are you confident you'll get the answers you're looking for? They will comply. Okay. Uh, Michelle Rempel-Garner, uh, good to talk to you tonight. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Let's bring in our panel of parliamentary journalists now. Susan Delacorte, a columnist with the Toronto Star. Joël Denis Bellavance is the parliamentary bureau chief for La Presse. And John Iveson is a columnist uh, with the National Post, parliamentary bureau chief for Post Media. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here again this week. John, let me, let me start with you tonight and the passage of the motion today to have the health committee, or sorry, to have, yeah, the health committee study the pandemic response in greater detail. Uh, government ministers were issuing ominous warnings today about the safety of Canadians because of the committee study. And it'll scare away companies that produce vaccines and personal protection equipment and ventilators and so on. Uh, the Minister of Procurement says what's at stake in this motion is the lives of Canadians. So what do you make of that response from the government? Well, this government has been pretty able at uh, redacting things thus far. So it would seem to me that it's not beyond the bounds of mankind to eliminate any personal information, any uh, commercially confidential information, and still be able to look at the broader brushstrokes of Canada's COVID response. You know, I think the, the, the opposition came up with a very broad motion. I mean, it does look like it's going to entail a lot of work to produce documents. But they had then produced an amendment to say, well, we'll give you twice as much time as we had originally proposed, 30 days instead of 15. So this should all be doable. I mean, the problem from the government's point of view is it doesn't really want people to know what it's doing so that it, because it doesn't want people to know what it's doing wrong. And that's the story of all governments in all ages. Okay, Susan, what's your view on how the two sides, I guess, have framed the impact of this committee investigation of pandemic spending? Well, it was interesting. I was observing this earlier today was that uh, 
that both of the, the conservatives and liberals before noon today had uh, said that they accused the other one of imperiling the lives of Canadians. And it was snowing outside in Ottawa. And I said, welcome to winter. You know, that um, this is uh, this is what this is going to be like. Um, it, I think it was overheated on both sides. I think John is right that uh, there's a certain amount of um, brinksmanship here, but I think it comes down to something even simpler, which is that we, what we're seeing right now is a tug of war over who controls parliament and who controls government during a pandemic. And it's sort of like exchanging things of you're not the boss of me, but the stakes are big. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, we saw a, a debate over whether it was the Privy Council clerk or the law clerk of the Commons who is going to be in charge of deciding what Canadians see. I think there are some real issues here. Um, there, there's, there's, um, there's accountability on one side. There are delicate contracts and, and procurement deals for pandemic vaccines and relief on the other side. Right. Um, but I think what we're seeing more right now is just a, uh, who controls Parliament. Right. Geraldine, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I, as I listen to all of this, we've all been sort of at this for a long time. It's certainly not the first time a parliamentary committee would be looking into uh, an issue that might involve sensitive information from different corporations or companies. I mean, it's not like this has never happened. But what do you think of how this has played out? I think the Liberal government has overblown its case on this one um, because I fail to see how the committee looking at those issues could imperil, you know, the access to vaccines, for example. Those contracts were signed already and the government has spent a lot of money dollars on, on buying vaccine or access to vaccines, buying access to PPP protection equipment built by Canadian companies. So um, I think the government has overplayed its cards and it got called off by the opposition party. So um, and also, you know, there's some ways the committee can work around um, to protect the sensitive information. They can go into in camera, for example, to protect those uh, those um, um, information that some companies are afraid of. But I, I think the, uh, uh, I would say that the government overpaid cent in this case. Right. I mean, uh, I want to move on, but it just it also occurs to me that, you know, there, if the lives of Canadians are at stake in this motion, doesn't that seem like a, a bigger reason for a confidence vote than uh, the, the one last week where it was about access to We Charity documents and trying to uh, light a fire under that uh, controversy? <laughs> if, 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 if lives are at stake here, why isn't this a test of confidence? You're absolutely right, Peter. Last week, Pablo Rodriguez stood up and said, where's it going to end? You know, this is going to paralyze government. And that was on the, the we motion. Um, you know, clearly this is a much bigger grab of documents, almost a fishing expedition. And it's going to probably paralyze certain parts of key departments at the moment. But, you know, the government had already used its, its uh, confidence motion trick. And, and I guess they couldn't use it twice. If yeah. they did, what's the point of Parliament? Can I think Susan, the government accountable. Susan, it'll also be interesting to see how enthusiastically the government follows through with the requests for production of documents and so on. From, uh, I mean, there's people, all kinds of speculation, of course, in this time in, as you point out, winter in Ottawa, uh, <laughs> that you know the government drags this out and then makes it a test of confidence somewhere down the road, uh, saying, "Look, we told you it was going to paralyze government. That's exactly what's happening. Let's take it to the people." I, I can see that happening. There was an interesting little byplay today uh, where um, Anita Anand was talking about, we've heard from these companies we, that they don't want to do this. Uh, there were stories over the weekend about people's, uh, the, these companies' fears 
of getting caught up in politics. And then we heard Michelle Rempel at her press conference say today the Liberals were pushing them to do that. What that told me was there's a lot going on behind the scenes here, but it's also these guys don't trust each other. They just don't trust each other. Uh, And uh, and in in normal times, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, sensitive documents and and all of that would be handled by committee. But I think they're, they're establishing all the reasons they do not. None of them have confidence in each other. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, uh, J.D., let me let me ask you about uh, Justin Trudeau today telling the Chamber of Commerce in a virtual speech that the upcoming fiscal update won't set a fiscal anchor and there will not be some sort of fiscal anchor or uh, sort of fiscal guidepost for federal spending and budgeting until after the pandemic. Ontario announced today it's going to table a budget November 5th. So I guess how long can the federal government keep turning to the idea that it's not the time for a budget? Well, the pressure is on the federal government to produce such, uh, you know, a fiscal anchor. And the prime minister, I think, is dictating how it will be happening after the pandemic The pandemic is over. But uh, how many months uh, will it take before the pandemic is over and then we find a vaccine, a vaccine that is efficient to cure this uh, COVID-19 disease? That's the question. And so uh, I think blue liberals will be very worried about th- this kind of statement. You could see maybe some uh, former finance minister again, like Don Manley, a former finance minister in the uh, uh, Katsai government coming at it and saying that they're not very happy with the kind of uh, management of the uh, public purses yeah. uh, is, is uh, in Ottawa. John, we've uh, leading up to all of this in the last number of months, we've heard a lot of uh, past ministers and so on say, look, the government's it's time now for them to set some sort of fiscal anchor. Uh, they're going to be disappointed. Canadians aren't going to hear that when we get a fiscal update. Right. I mean, people like, you know, reasonable people like David Dodge saying, you know, over a period of time, you want to make sure that the, the amount we're paying uh, in interest is 10% of revenues, tax revenues. Uh, just as an example of one anchor, I mean, this government's had numerous anchors. It was going to have a debt-to-GDP ratio of 30. It was going to have uh, $10, million, uh, $10 billion deficits uh, for three years. So all of these, Pierre Poilier, I've talked about it today, these rusty anchors lying at the bottom of the ocean, <laughs> um, we're, we're now uh, we're now not going to bother with anchors, so we're, so presumably we're going to be adrift. I do think it's worrying that, the, that the, we will have a statement which will have no sense well, of getting back to balance, even over the next decade. Yeah, let's be careful. We need the odd anchor here and there, like to ask a question. Uh, so, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Susan, what, Susan, what do you what do you think of of the fact that uh, the government's going to keep playing this card that we'll get around to telling you how we're going to get out of this fiscal situation, what we're going to tie our fiscal projections and budgeting too when we get to it, but that's not going to be now. Well, I, I think that, you know, the, the, to use another metaphor, it's we haven't, um, maybe not, we not, haven't reached the bottom of the ocean yet, but we haven't reached the floor of this either. And I think uh, in, in defense of the government, we're still in a situation where provinces are, you know, such as Ontario, which is going to ask for more money next week from the, the federal government, as they do every week. Um, that, that the federal government is financing uh, a lot of the, or, or being asked to finance a lot of the pandemic relief in the provinces. And I don't think that anyone thinks we've reached the end of that yet. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's very hard for, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, the best of fiscal planners myself, but I can't imagine trying to plan when we don't know where this thing ends. Peter, if I may say, um, the Quebec government is supposed also to table uh, at least an, an economic update with new fiscal anchors the following week on 
November the 15th. So I think that will increase the pressure on the federal government to right. do the same. There won't be any excuse not to do it. All right. Uh, well, there's always different kinds of pressures on anchors, like time pressures, too. Ha! With you. <laughs> Listen, thank you all. Uh, thank you all for your insights. Good to talk to you again this week, and uh, we'll do it again. Take care. Thanks, Peter. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Primetime Politics. From all of us here at CPAC, thanks for watching. See you next time.